0: Welcome to the Joe Rest Podcast, episode 13, recorded on the evening of the 8th of July, 2015. I'm Joe, and with me as always is Isaac. What is up, Joe? Yeah, what's happening, man? It's been nearly a month since we last did this, and that's all down to me being too busy, sorry.
1: It's, yeah, too busy for your own show. It's like you don't go to your own party.
0: (laughs) Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, So what have you been up to in all this time? Um, I think the two
1: biggest tech things I've been up to was uh, I gave out a computer to a family that needed one. It, had, uh, it was an old MacBook Pro, I think. And they sold it for meth. I Who sold it for meth, yeah. So now there's at least a meth dealer who's using meth. So I guess that's, that's <laughs> positive. You know, we're getting yeah. there. We're slowly <laughs> changing the world somehow. But uh, <laughs> I got caught up thinking about him using LibreOffice to keep track of his meth sales. Anyway, you <laughs> yeah. totally yeah. sidetracked me. <laughs> but... Uh, so I gave uh, this family the computer. The young lady that's using it mostly is seems to be doing pretty good with it. I talked to her. She's loving it. She's getting really used to it. There's only been one little hiccup so far, and that would be when you first log into Mint. Sometimes um, it doesn't click on your username. It's like got guest or login by default, and you would think it's your name, but it's not. So when you log in, you think the password's wrong. That was the only hiccup she's had so far, but she's doing good with it. Just uh, using it to pay bills, get on the internet, and that's awesome. So that worked out really well. I've got, I had three computers to kind of deal with. One of them is complete trash, and I got rid of it. Oh, Fujitsu, I guess. Oh yeah, and it is it, it just was not working. So I got rid of it. Then I got an old Dell which has a twenty six uh, gigabyte hard drive on there. Oh, nice. Yeah, I know. And that one actually uh, took Mint pretty well, and I don't know if I'm going to hand it out to anybody. I think I might keep it there at the church that I'm kind of running all this through because they said I can maybe teach a Linux class, so I might keep it there. And then the other one's a Lenovo that just needs the wireless kind of updated. But uh, through all this, Ken Starks has been talking with me quite a bit. He's hooking me up with some hardware, so he's it's going pretty good. Then um, I got my Raspberry Pi meetup kind of cranking along so that's the end of July on the 28th here in D.C. Okay. Is that going to be the first one then? Yeah, that's that's the first one. I've been reaching out to people to see if they had any projects. Uh, I think I showed you the Game Boy project somebody had. It was really nice. And yeah, I couldn't get back in touch with him. God knows what's going on. But I finally found a venue for the running the meetup. And it's kind of central to D.C., which is what I was kind of hunting for. And then got that set up, started the first meetup, and it's just going to be me talking about the kind of home security rigged up system I got set up with my Pi. So hopefully that first one will be kind of uh, get the ball rolling, let everybody know that it is, your project doesn't have to be 100% complete. Just get there and talk. And then the Raspberry mm. Pi folks have contacted me. This is kind of getting crazy. So it's on the raspberrypi.org jam site now.
0: Yeah, I think they're quite keen to just spread the word and get build up a community all over the world of people who are doing Raspberry meetups and just try and get as many people using it as possible.
1: Yeah, I would say that's that's what I think
0: too. Yeah, yeah. And so, what do you get the venue for free then? Yeah, what
1: it where where it is is my my buddy currently works there, and they already host a several meetups, like an Angular JS meetup, and uh, I think a VR uh, gaming meetup. They host about three or four of them, so. I went there and checked it out. They were totally cool with me doing it, as long as it doesn't like fall on the date with another one. And that was really it, you know, and kind of just see how it goes from there. So they're going to kind of host it, provide drinks and food, and I anticipate there will probably be like five to six people, but if this Raspberry Jam thing takes off, it might be a number I wasn't really anticipating. So we'll see how this goes.
0: Yeah, there's bound to be loads of people in that D.C. area because it's quite population-dense, isn't it? So. There's just a lot of people there, and there's bound to be a lot of people who are interested. So, yeah, it's hoping then.
1: Yeah, there's there's one that's not too far away. Well, actually, that, that's that's backwards. There's one but somewhat far away. You got to kind of drive to it. And I wanted to set one up that's more central to the subway system. And so everybody mm. can kind of get to it through that, which is the way I get around. So, hopefully, yeah, yeah. it works out. That's been all I'm, what you've been up to, buddy.
0: Just movies, 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 basically. First of all, I bought a projector. I sent you a link to it. the The little bricks projector. I talked about it on Loda's last time. It's like a tiny little four inches by four inches by two or three inches high, um, Pico projector. But it's also got an i3, uh, computer inside it, and it comes bare bones with no RAM or uh, storage, so you have to buy that. But all in all, um, j- just around two hundred pounds for. Uh, a pretty decent computer and also the projector that I've always wanted. So it's been awesome. I've been watching movies on my wall, like um 69 inches or no, 79 inches. I think is uh, one of the biggest movies, A big widescreen one.
1: Are you going to set up like an outside blanket
0: kind of thing for the neighbors and kind of sell some popcorn and, Nah, it's, the problem is it's not powerful enough. It's only a little LED. Um, the the lumens were 75 lumens, I think, which is pretty not bright at all, pretty dim for a projector. But How far is the projector from the wall? About 10 feet, maybe. Okay, that's cool. And I can, I can get that up to a pretty big size. It has to be totally dark, though. Um, but it's also really handy because it's got an input, so I've been plugging the Raspberry Pi into it, and you can plug any machine into it. So... Um, instead of, well, I'm going to this Raspberry Pi Jam on Sunday, hopefully. And so instead of having to take a screen to plug mine into, I can just plug it into that, project it onto any surface. I mean, even with bright lights, you can see it if it's kind of close to the wall. If it's, you know, two, three feet away, then you just get a nice small image on the wall, like almost like a, a monitor, you know? So yeah, it's very handy, very handy little thing to have.
1: That's pretty nice. You were doing everything possible to not buy a TV.
0: I just want you to know that. (laughs) Yeah, of course. I have actually got a TV that I'm thinking of getting rid of now because I only ever used it for the Raspberry Pi, really. And now I've got this projector. I don't really need the TV anymore. So thinking about getting rid of that somewhere, give it to someone maybe, maybe a relative. But uh, other movie stuff, though, I went to see Jurassic World. I've bought into the hype and I thought, I've got to see it. So I actually went to the cinema to see it. And How was it? uh, Meh, really. It was uh, exactly what I expected. Just not really very good story, but loads of cool dinosaurs and stuff. So yeah, just what I was expecting it to be. But while I was watching it, the kind of top left of the screen was a little bit blurry. And I, at first I thought, oh, well, it's just kind of a bit ropey CGI, but just kept distracting my attention all the way through. Like, And I just thought, what's going on with this? It's just not projected very well. And so this was kind of the, the late night showing. Um, it finished about midnight. And uh, when I got out, I kind of spoke to the manager and said, you know, it's not, you need to get that fixed because it ruined it. And, um, you know, then I kind of steered the conversation around to, well, give me a refund. And she <laughs> said to me, well, the tills are closed. I can't. But um, Hang on. Went upstairs, came back with this, this kind of voucher thing that said, okay, well, this will give you a free, you can come again and watch it or watch a different film or whatever. And this voucher didn't expire. And I had only paid for the cheapest possible, you know, 2D, non-IMAX, nothing like that, just in my local cinema, which was, I think, £10.50 or something. But I looked at this ticket and it said uh, it can be used for any performance at Odeon. And so I was like, okay. And it said including IMAX 3D and including free glasses. So I thought, mm, I don't really want to watch something in 3D. But, mm. but then I wanted to see Terminator, Genesis. And so I'd kind of been thinking about it. I didn't want to really go to one that would be full of kids and stuff because it's only a 12 certificate, so there'd be kind of teenagers there. So I wanted to go to a late-night one again. And the, the only late-night one that was feasible was kind of in the next town over that's about a 20 minutes drive. And so I thought, mm, I got it. Started at like half nine, and um, or maybe a bit later. Yeah, no, about twenty to ten it started. So I went over there and walked in. I've never been to an IMAX or 3D movie before, and I walked in. And I was like, whoa, when I saw the size of the screen that it was going to be on. Have you ever seen anything on IMAX?
1: I don't believe I have. Now you bring it up, I haven't been to movie theaters in. I think the last time I went to the movie theaters, well, it was about this time last year. I saw a Rift Tracks thing
0: of Sharknado. It was the last time I've been to one, <laughs> so it was not in three D. No, <laughs> nice, but like it's, it must be hundreds of feet diagonally this IMAX screen. I just could not believe how big it was. But then, like the some of the trailers were just normal, and then it kind of said, "Put your three D glasses on now," and th- then it was just re- really weird, like having things in front of you and watching the whole movie in 3D. It was, I don't know. I don't know if I enjoyed it. It was kind of a, a novel experience, but I don't think I'd do it again.
1: Was it the movie or was it just the 3D experience?
0: I think it was a case of the 3D experience. The movie Terminator. Now, it's worth mentioning that I was obsessed with the first two growing up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I watched the first one all the time still when I'm coding. I don't know why, but. Yeah, it is a brilliant brilliant film the first one and the second one is almost as good. It's it's better in some ways but it's not the first one, so it's I would say the first one is probably slightly better. Then 3, I've seen that quite a lot because I had that on DVD and even though people say it's rubbish, I thought there was some good bits in it. Yeah, ain't too bad, yeah. And then I went to the cinema to see Salvation on the first day that it came out. I kind of like pre-ordered my ticket. I thought it was going to be this packed cinema for the 12 <laughs> it o'clock. Was just show. you. And it was like me and like two or three other blokes in there. I took the afternoon off work and went in there and it was just, you know, crickets. And I didn't think much of that. But that one I scammed as well, like um, because uh, they didn't like check my ticket or rip my ticket or whatever going in there. And so I kind of um, just went back to the, the box office a few days later and said, oh, I, d- I bought this ticket in advance, but I didn't make it any chance of my money back. And they said, no, but you can have another ticket to see you know, so you can actually get a chance to see it. I was like, oh, okay, so I saw that twice in, <laughs> within a few <laughs> days.
1: I'm trying, I'm trying not to laugh too much. What? <laughs> what <laughs> I know, is
0: crazy. What? But that one wasn't very good. That was pretty universally panned. What? Whereas this one, I would say, is kind of uh, greatest hits of the Terminator because there's quite a lot of footage from the very first one. And then you've got the kind of liquid metal Terminators and it it, it feels like... A Greatest Hits album, basically. So, okay, so, go...
1: Yeah, hang on. You're not getting away from this. So, you saw the fourth one, and you were like, meh, this movie's not that good. And you saw it again?
0: Well, yeah, because I wanted <laughs> my money back, because he hadn't ripped <laughs> well, yeah, my ticket. But
1: he didn't. I mean...
0: <laughs> yeah, but I'm not going to say no to a free thing. Because well, you saw was- the like, same. Why are you just sneak it to another movie at that
1: point? Or another uh, scene? I don't know how the movie theaters are you know, where you're at, but you should have just snuck it to another show.
0: Yeah, I could have done. Well, to be honest, <laughs> there, there are so few people working there in cinemas these days. The only people who are working there are working in concession stands because that's where they make their money selling popcorn and chocolate and stuff. Yeah. And, and like now it's like all, um, nachos and stuff. It's bizarre.
1: There's actually a movie theater here that a buddy of mine went to, and he had to pay like twenty, thirty bucks for the ticket. But you get like a recliner, and people bring you food. Oh yeah, now I haven't yeah, experienced yeah. The, that, but yeah, you're the right. The lounge
0: they call that you you can go and like have a proper recliner, and they come and serve you food and drinks at your effectively table. Really. Meanwhile, this just happens to be a movie showing. Whereas to me, if I go and see a movie, like I generally always go alone because. I don't see the point of going with other people. I'm not going to talk during the thing. And yeah, it's good to talk to people afterwards or whatever, but generally speaking, I like to go to late night ones that are empty so that there's not loads of people shouting and throwing popcorn around and ruining it. I have never experienced that where people are just like, no boo and
1: throwing stuff. I've never been down that road.
0: Well, I mean, I'm exaggerating by that. I'm more (laughs) talking about people playing with their phones and talking. There was a little bit of talking. A guy went up, uh, went to the toilet and came back. But five minutes later, because it was quite far away, the toilet. And then his friend was kind of trying to um, catch him up on what he'd missed. Oh, yeah. So that was a bit annoying. But uh, otherwise, but the whole 3D thing, it was weird, is all I can say, to have things like um, when there'd be an explosion, there'd be all like little bits coming right at you. And were you like dodging and jumping and out of your seat? no, I'm not dumb. I know that it's just a no, yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's just an illusion.
1: It's human nature though to do that, you know. I mean it's not like you're an idiot. It's just human nature to do de- here here's a question that would I guess would say you're an idiot. If you get your refund back, you can go see, go see the same movie again in 3D. Um If they're like, well, I, I missed it, you're like, well, we'll give you a voucher for the same movie in the same experience. Would you go see it again since it's Terminator?
0: Yeah, I would. Just, <laughs> just why because not? it's but, uh- I'll tell you what, the one thing I have learned is I would love to see a movie in IMAX not 3D because the screen is so big and it it is a a really, um, it's kind of curved as well, slightly curved at the edges like those curved TVs. So I would, I'd like to see a 2D movie in IMAX, but the thing is like the movie that I should have seen, well, the, the price I should have paid to go and see that movie last night was, I think, £19 or £18 including the glasses. Uh, so I'd originally only paid ten fifty. So for £10.50, I got the Jurassic World and this, nearly 20 quid's worth. That's, so,
1: uh, I mean, that's the summer blockbuster list, so I think you did good.
0: Yeah, um, not really interested in much else apart from, well, I suppose it's not summer. Um, the Martian, which I read, I say read, listened to the audiobook of. And I recommended that to you. Have you managed to get around to reading that yet?
1: No, I went to the library and I put in a, a like a hold for it. And that was like number 149 on the like, printed book. And I was like, no, of like 13 copies. So then I put in a hold on the uh, the Kindle version. And I should be getting it sometime soon, I guess. I don't know. So we'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, that's great. I can't wait to see the film of that, how they're going to adapt it. It's, um, yeah, it's it's going to be good, I reckon. Because the book was excellent, although a bit of a disappointing ending. I won't spoil it. I was...
1: won't spoil it, but the ending sucks. So, <laughs> Well, no, I wouldn't say it sucks, but
0: I was hoping for a different ending. Let's put it that okay, way. Okay,
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs> I won't spoil it, but man. The ending really let me down, Isaac. Like, thanks.
0: <laughs> yeah, given the, if you know anything about the story and you know anything about me, that has pretty much ruined the end of it. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're getting off topic, but uh I read uh I can't think of the book now.
1: I just went blank. A catcher in the Rye a while a long time ago. And my buddy when I started reading it, he's like, It's about a sniper. At the end it's about a guy. It says like actually a sniper. And I was like, Oh really? Wow. Read the whole book. Nothing. Nothing related to snipers. <laughs> and I was like I remember finishing it and I just looked at it like, well, there must be some somebody must read pages out. So this is this isn't adding up. Because I I was getting near the end, like, well, where's the sniper thing? Where's it coming? <laughs> And it never came. And due to that, I hate that book so much now. And all my buddies will always laugh because they'll be like, Todd had Isaac thinking that was about snipers. It's like, there ain't nothing about snipers. So,
0: No, it's about a bloke who shoots John Lennon, isn't it?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. At one some point in life, you know. But all my buddies were laugh. Even he was like, well, I must stop another book. Sorry. Like, we ruined my whole everything. <laughs> so, thank you.
0: I think that's overrated, to be honest. Catch her in the Rye. I read it. Just because of it's the horrible. thing It's horrible. It's not about snipers. It's the worst book ever. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's enough book talk. You've put a few <laughs> new stories in here, so let's get on with it. All right. So the first one then is about futurism. Tell me about it.
1: I'm trying to think where to start with this because Ray Kurzweil. Okay. Here, we'll start with him. Do you know anything about Ray Kurzweil? Only what you've told me. Which is the paragraph on the dog. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let, Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think of how to word this guy. There's there's people in the world that know they're good at stuff, and they might be humble about it. And I always appreciate those people. Ray is not one of those people. He wrote a book. He's wrote a couple books, several books. And I tried to listen to one of them, and he just... The book starts off, literally... I remember when I first realized I was a genius. You know, it's like, okay, here we go. <laughs> like it's, Yeah, it's just that attitude of... And I remember when I first, like, heard about him was in that drone book about robotics and drones I always reference. He's in that book quite a bit. And uh, I referenced him to a friend of mine who was big on reading. And he laughed, you know. He's like, have you ever read anything about Ray or read into him? Like, no. He's like, he could could start a cult if he really wanted to. And I was like, really? So then I get more involved with him. And then I realize the guy that is Ray Kurzweil. So he is... I don't know what he was doing prior. I guess he was just being a genius, you know, prior to working for Google. But he works for Google as their head futurist. That's honestly his title and job is futurist. And this article we put on, I put on there kind of talks about him. How, If you notice in the article, it talks about how he predicted a few things correctly. Even the things he predicted wrong, he doesn't say that. He will never be like, I was wrong on this. He's like, well, if I move the dates around, you could technically see I was correct. And it's, he's the most pompous. Pompous is a great word for him.
0: That it's not necessarily pompous to predict things, get them wrong, and then claim that you got them right. You do and that you a lot. That, yeah. I know you do that on Luddites. You're <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I, I said this. It's like, <laughs> well, we did a prediction show at the end of last year, yeah. and um, we're, we're looking back at the the predictions that I'd made the previous year, and I was just claiming a win for every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but-, but it sounds like. Um, this guy, Ray Kurzweil, is, um, he's kind of like the Kanye West of technology, just thinks he's a genius. I don't
1: know who that's putting down more, Kanye West or Ray Kurzweil, <laughs> or when you word it that way, I'm not for sure, but he's, I, I will admit, he is super smart. He did predict a lot of stuff, and but he is hung up on the singularity, and he's also hung up on, like, like this article talks about, humans will be hybrids by 2030. Like, that is not... I don't think that's correct at all. He's... I think yeah, he's...
0: that's just... That's way off. I mean, he's talking about transhumanism, isn't he?
1: Yes, Where, very much. And that's his singularity. When, like, uh, really the singularity is whenever, like, AI achieves, like, I think human intelligence or goes beyond that is when... That's yeah. what he's considering singularity. But Ray's predictions are always if things flow correctly. Like, there, I don't think Ray takes into account anything random. It must always go this way because if he... He always is like, it's going to be, you know, like like this, twenty thirty, we're going to be hybrids, like that. That could happen if all these things line out correctly, but I don't think it's going to happen. It just there's too much randomness in life. That's only fifteen years, man. Like you know, exactly. That's what I'm saying. That he, we 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 still do not have driving cars. I mean, they they have invented it, that is correct, but they're not on the roads like heavily. I can't go buy yeah, it's one. Not
0: that, yeah, yeah. And by about twenty thirty, they'll probably be standard practice. No, that would be a not ridiculous th- prediction to make that in the 2030s well uh, everyone will have a self-driving car but to to suggest that we're all going to be hooked up to the cloud i mean it's just ridiculous
1: yeah there's a line in this in the article hang on he says we'll also be able to do fully backup of our brains by 2030 <laughs> i no we're not we're not
0: that's just, i mean we have no idea how the brain works still i mean okay we we are gaining more and more of an insight as time progresses, but we're still not at a stage where we fully understand the brain. And even by 2030, we probably won't fully understand the brain. So the idea of downloading all of our memories and stuff, it's just ludicrous. I mean, maybe in a hundred years, but not 30. Yeah. 15 even. you're, You're
1: totally right. It's if if you ever have time, or if any listeners have time, I would, I would, I would look up Ray Kurzweil and kind of read up on him a little bit. He is, he is quite the individual. He did now, he will, he did predict ebook readers a mile a mile away, and called it perfectly. And I think that kind of got him. He's he's heavy with the army. He takes like I think like a hundred plus supplements. He's trying to live as long as he can so he can be part of the cloud. So hopefully we'll extend past that, and he's dead. So.
0: Oh, right. I think this is ringing a bell. I, I didn't know his name, but I've, I've heard about him and he's essentially terrified of death. Yeah. And he's, so he, he just wants to do anything he possibly can to live on. And that's why he thinks in only 15 years, he'll be able to upload his brain to a computer and live forever.
1: You've probably gone over his name before in stories and not realized who this is or like heard yet yeah. yeah, like that. That's that's how I kind of ran into him as well. because I was like, who? And then I realized, like, oh, my gosh, it's this guy. This kind of caught my eye because anything with writing Ray Kurzweil's name in it it always makes me laugh because I have to read it just so I can get a kick out of his pompous attitude. Building on this, though, I kind of threw an article talking about electronic skin. And uh, did you get a chance to read over that any?
0: Yeah, it's kind of patches of circuitry that you can stick to your skin and can read your brainwaves and stuff. What's your
1: uh, your humble opinion, Joe, on electronic skin?
0: Mm, Smells like BS to me, I'm afraid. (laughs) You don't think it's going to
1: work, or you think it's kind of... Wait, uh, what's your take th- on it?
0: I think that it probably works a bit, but I think that they're grossly over-exaggerating the ability of it and and what it can actually do, and how quickly it's going to actually do the things that they claim it's going to do. Uh, uh, you know, being able to walk around and not have any interference and stuff compared to the the equipment that we've got now, I'm not having it. It just seems too. Um, fanciful to to me. I just, just not having it.
1: If, uh, would this be something you would be
0: willing to try out? Well, no. And I don't want to go to tinfoil hat too early (laughs) in the show, but I'm going to anyway. Here we go. Uh, David Icke, you're aware of David Icke, right? And his crazy theories, supposedly crazy theories. And pretty much everything that he has said, has come to pass.
1: God, I just now Googled him. I think it's Boris Johnson's older brother.
0: <laughs> no, so you don't know who he is? No, 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 I don't. I'm, I'm looking him up right now, you speak. Okay, well, right. David Icke used to be on TV in this country, um, introducing sports. He's like a sports anchor, as you would say, uh, introducing snooker and British sports like that. He was, uh, at one point, a, a footballer, but then he had an injury. I oh, know he had arthritis and that kind of ended his career. And he got into TV. And he had a pretty good TV career. You know, he wasn't a superstar, but he was earning decent money. And then, depending on how you look at it, either he had this great enlightenment or he had a mental breakdown. <laughs> and either way, he made a fool of himself on TV with claims of being the son of God and all sorts. And people just wrote him off as just an insane person. And that was, like, in the early 90s. So 25 years later, he has built up a huge following. And he is Britain's most uh, famous, I suppose, conspiracy theorist. He's kind of like our Alex Jones. I presume you know who that is.
1: Uh, that ring- I think that name rings a bell.
0: Have you, Alex uh, Jones! Have you- He's uh, a very loud Texan who does uh, info wars and stuff. Anyway, but David Icke has talked about all sorts of things throughout his career, from pretty basic stuff about how the world is essentially run by a small number of very rich families who control the media, the arms industry, um, stuff like that and have politicians in their pocket. stuff that isn't even really conspiracy theory it's all fairly provable fact and makes perfect sense. You know the world is a business, and like all businesses, it has bosses and workers. Mm-hmm. So that, I think, is fairly universally accepted. But then he starts to, talking about the Illuminati, and then he goes really off the rails and starts talking about how uh, the, the people who are in charge of things are trans-dimensional reptilian aliens who can shapeshift and whatnot. And that's where it loses a lot of people, and where I start to become very sceptical. That said, if one of these, you know, if David Cameron or the Queen... Shape shifted into a lizard in front of me. I wouldn't be hugely surprised about it. Okay, so be.
1: so where I forget where we are with late try skid. So. Right, okay, so right,
0: <laughs> so one of the th- well, uh, David Icke's um, kind of uh, uh, his uh, theory. Well, not, I suppose his whole kind of worldview is that the New World Order or the Illuminati are trying to control everyone with one world government, one world currency, one world army that sort of thing, like a lot of the supposedly crazy right-wing survivalists and stuff in your country. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that he says is hugely on the agenda of the new world order is the microchip population. And you can kind of see, um, right. Say on your subway system or Metro system, whatever in, um, DC, how do you pay for your travel? Is it contactless?
1: It's, um, a smart card.
0: Yeah, that you kind of touch on the thing, it goes beep, and then the gates open. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. And so that has been spreading all around the world. I don't know who had it first. Uh, We've had it for about 10 years now with Oyster, we call it. Um, And you can see the logical extension of that would be to have a chip in your hand where you touch your hand on the thing, and then it opens. And then you, because we have contactless payment, I can go and buy 10 quid's worth of alcohol or sweets or whatever and just touch my card on my my debit card credit card and just pay instantly not have to put in not sign anything put any pin in or anything like that and so it seems logical to me that we will end up with um a microchip in our hands to pay for things and i mean i saw calls about um getting rid of cash i mean they've always talked about the cashless society things would be a lot easier you know you'd have uh, no one working without paying their taxes and stuff if there was no cash but anyway so how does that all tie in? Um, well, he claims that they want microchips to actually control people as well so they can like send data to the microchips and control your brainwaves and stuff that makes a bit less sense. But the thing is that a lot of the stuff he's predicted, I said earlier that everything he's predicted has come true. Well, it hasn't. He's predicted a lot of crazy stuff that hasn't. But some of the fundamental stuff, like uh, what Snowden revealed, he, he has been talking about for a long time and also about um, paedophilia, he was talking about how all of these um, these world leaders are into it, and it, it's and celebrities and stuff, and that the celebrities bit at least has come out here with Jimmy Savile and all sorts of other entertainers from the seventies. So it's it, he is starting to look a tiny bit more credible as every day goes by, and so anyway, circling all the way back to this electronic skin. To me, that's what it reminded me of is like microchips on your body that. Um, you know, can do various things, whether it is uh, medical applications or whether it is paying for stuff. And it's, you know, it, it, it's, uh, you can't, he talks about this thing, the totalitarian tiptoe. I'm not trying to advocate for him because I think that he is a bit crazy, but I I think it's worth, as I've talked about on the show many times before, it's worth considering all opinions and then forming your own from that. And anyway, he talks about the totalitarian tiptoe. And a perfect example of that is in London, if you had said 30 or 40 years ago, we're going to have a camera on every street corner and everywhere you go, you can't walk anywhere in London without being on 100 cameras, people would have said, no way, we're not having that. But you put up one camera one week and then another camera and over 30 or 40 years, you end up with cameras everywhere. And the thing is, people, we're not going to go for, we're going to implant this microchip under your skin immediately. You have to get people used to the idea of not paying for things with cash first, so with the, the contactless payments. Then this is the next step, stuff stuck to your skin. And then the inevitable um, conclusion of that, the logical way forth would be to have it under your skin. And so to me, it seems like it could be a step in that direction.
1: So you would not do this, right? Is that what you, you're getting at too? This is not something you're a fan of? I'd
0: rather not. You'd, You'd rather, rather do not, do not but way.
1: yeah, that okay, I got you. I remember a long time ago, I used to be like anti all that, like I don't want uh, computer chips in me or anything. And then, and when I was going through college to get my computer science degree, a real quick test to see how powerful your computer really is sometimes is to write up a little, any program you want and have it divide one by two until it reaches zero. And um, I did that on my computer, and it was like zero point then three hundred something digits, and then like. That was it. That was the number my computer decided was this is the number after this is 0. Like I can't go Why? any further.
0: Yeah. So
1: after doing that, I realized that I would happily put computer chips in my head. Now I don't now that's not saying I would like happily would like to be hooked up to the internet. I would just love to have the processing power of a computer. So that's kind of my take. And these this electronic skin stuff, I feel like it's inevitable. I think it is going to happen. It's because I don't know how true this idea of mine is or my theory. In my mind, the Apple Watch, in my mind, watches right now, the Apple Watch, any of the or the Nexus, I, I can't, I don't know. The other watches, whatever. Android
0: Wear, it's called, yeah.
1: Okay, any of those watches, I feel like in my mind, are already out of date. And now you could be like, oh, well, they just came out, Isaac. You know, they, they still have a long ways to go. I feel like they're already out of date. I feel, that's not, they might take off. I just I already know they're out of date. Like, that's how fast technology is moving. Watches are out of date already. And I think the next go around is this electronic skin stuff. Wearables are already taking off. And the idea of you not being physically connected is anything of that nature is just going to be old. I just think the phone, you know, I use my phone all the time. The watches are brand new. I think all that stuff is getting phased out very fast. And it's becoming where we're one with the computer. Anything going on this, I guess Ray Kurzweil is correct. If we're going to be, you know, eventually I think he's right. Eventually we will be hybrids. I, I do buy into that idea. I just don't think it'll be about 2030. When do you think it will be then? That's a good question. Let me just, uh, I think maybe 2050. I would give 2050 a, a heavy go around. Five
0: years from now, you reckon?
1: I really think so. I, I feel like we're moving in that, the direction so fast. I mean, Ray's got good points. I mean, I think he's a pompous ass, but he's got, very good points. If everything goes correct and nothing excuse off the, the Richter scale, we will be, you know, he's right. We'll be like 2030. But I think it's too soon because there's just too much randomness in the world. Now, but I think 2050, I think 100 years from now, yes, 100% sure. To the 2100, yes, we will definitely be hybrids for sure, no doubt. And, but I think it'll be way before that. I think like 2050, well, there'll be people really pushing it. Well, good example. I was on the Metro the other day going home, reading a book and I looked up and happened to notice that the guy sitting across not across from me, but kind of Daniel from me, he's wearing Google Glass. Oh yeah. And I, I have never seen anyone wear that. And then it was the attitude of like, I realized he's is he using them? I don't know. And it's just that he was already wearing those. I thought it was cool. But the Google Glass stuff, I feel like I feel like Google has great ideas. They're always ahead of their time.
0: Mm, maybe. Yeah. I mean that's they've shut that down now, Google Glass, and they're probably working on a Uh, successor to it.
1: I think the successor in my mind is Apple's going... I think it's a contact lens. A contact lens would be the next thing successor for that. So you don't realize that someone's... You know, it's not as obvious as Google Glass. It's kind of more hidden, but you're doing what you want to and taking away that physical element of the phone or the watch.
0: Maybe, but battery's going to be your main problem there. Well,
1: that's where this electronic skin comes from. The human body is producing the power for this stuff.
0: Mm, See, that's what I don't buy. I I think that we won't be able to produce enough power to it's things that aren't efficient enough yet for the human body to power them. You know, we need too much energy and we, we can't uh, extract that energy from the human yet. I don't think, but the thing is this idea of hybrids, it depends what counts as a hybrid. If you're talking about your brain being, you know, your memories being uploaded to a computer, I, th- I think that's just ridiculous. But the idea that there'll be some way to, Connect to the retina or the optic nerve, and kind of directly see um, computer signals. That, to me, seems more feasible, and more the kind of 2050 um, you know, hybrids that will be people who can just see things in, within their vision, because there's something connected directly into their optic nerve or maybe their retina, or you know, something inside projecting onto your retina or something like that. And I suppose at that point you could say it's a hybrid. But I think that it just seems a bit fantastic to be... um, You you know,
1: it kind of hit me. Ray might be onto something about the fully backed up brain stuff. Because in reality, if you wear... Okay, so if I was to wear wearables long enough, you would have a completely readout of my body. If I wore wearables all day long, like t-shirts, shoes, whatever, you could have a complete whole read out data and, you know, basically a data image or plot of all my body stuff with Google search, you know, exactly almost every day what I'm searching for. There might be some randomness, but I guarantee over the course of five years, if you looked at my Google searches, there's not that many spikes in randomness, I bet. And then on top of that, if you were to track my location, you could probably get a good free readout of everything, enough to where if you upload all this into the cloud, you pretty much would have a virtual Isaac. You would not need my brain anymore because you have almost you have everything at that moment.
0: Have you heard of a show called Black Mirror? In, is that just is that recent? Yeah, it's kind of an anthology show. I think that's what you call it. Where, is it on Netflix? Uh, I think it might be on Netflix. It I know was... I've heard of
1: this. It's, it's got to be real recent.
0: Yeah, it was on UK TV. It started a few years ago, and then um, they have been. I think there was three, and then another three, and then a Christmas special. So there's not that many of them, and they're all um, independent stories. You guys always have the best TV shows, so it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, well, um, even though I don't own a TV, I actually watch quite (laughs) a lot of TV shows on demand. But anyway, this um, it's written by a guy called Charlie Brooker, who I sent you the you know the election wipe. Thing oh, that, that guy,
1: you. yeah, or that whole everything,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. He wrote uh, well, it was his idea, and he wrote some of them. And one of them um, is about this kind of optical implants where it records everything that you see, and then you can play it back whenever you want, and your whole life is recorded. And so, you know, he's kind of seen that coming. And another one of them is what exactly what you were talking about. Um, the the story is basically um, it starts with this couple. And then the guy dies unexpectedly in a, a car crash or something. And she learns about this service where they'll scan through all of his email, all of his social networking stuff, and produce a, a kind of a digital clone of him based on all his memories and stuff. And as you say, it's like a virtual Isaac. And um, it starts off with just text chat. And then um, he's kind of, they take some videos of him and record, yeah, use recordings of his voice and um, produce someone she can talk to. And then they actually put it inside a robot. And so there's kind of a li- virtual, um, I can't remember the guy's name, whatever, but he's there walking around and so she's she's got her dead husband back. So it's pretty much exactly what you were talking about there. So I highly recommend that, Black Mirror, it's called. I can't remember what that episode is, but all of them are good. So um, yeah, definitely add that to your Netflix queue.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely check it out, yeah.
0: Um, right, moving on then. And you put this one in about a 3D printing robot that can print a steel bridge in midair.
1: This is flat amazing. I just feel like this is this is the this is the future. This is the now, and this is the everything that we are going towards. Because you know what it reminds me of is I don't know if you've ever played like Sim City yeah. or uh, what's another one, Starcraft Two. Any of those stuff when you just kind of like let your those guys go and build, and you walk away from it, and you come back and the world's there. So yeah, these guys. I think uh, where were they at? in Holland and uh, have designed this robot robot, and they're going to basically just set it, just kind of put it right there on the side of the land across the river and let it build its own 3D printed bridge. And I just, I feel like this is amazing. This is, if we're ever going to colonize Mars or anything further out in space, you've got to, you're going to have to have these things. I feel like that's just how it's going to have to happen. Because you can just sit them down, let them build and walk away from it.
0: Yeah. And instead of rubbish plastic, like 3D printers that you can buy, this uses actual steel and it's apparently structural grade steel at the end of it, which I'm a bit dubious about, but if it really is true what they're saying, then it is going to um, potentially revolutionize things. They, They claim that they're going to build a bridge over a canal, which to be fair is not a very big bridge, but you know, it's proof of concept fair enough. And it's not even a proof of concept. They're going to, actually let people walk over it afterwards it's going to be there forever at least or at least for a while um and they're just going to set it going and then leave it for three months and then come back and then there'll be a bridge there
1: it's gonna be really soon that's the good thing i think you're right it's not proof of concept it's more proof of they know what the hell they're talking about you is what they're kind of saying because no one yeah. else is really like buying into what they're pitching so i think this is like the best way for them to prove a point which is it's a perfect way. Honestly, people can use it on a daily basis and it upholds forever. But, I mean, America right now, we've got a huge problem with our infrastructure. Bridges are, like, not doing well. Roads are horrible. And I, this is a great way to fix some of that. Now, you can't just put one of these guys in the middle of the road. But if you have a bunch of these and people kind of coordinate and moving them from A to B or just give them, like, um, automated going from here to there, it's, it would be hard to plot out a graph of potholes and tell one of these guys to go fill it in. That's actually a really good idea.
0: (laughs) Well, my main concern with this is the energy required, and that's something they um, tactically don't talk about. Conveniently, you know, there's no talk of how much energy it costs, and it it must be using a fantastic amount of energy to melt steel.
1: Oh, oh, you mean like energy like that?
0: Yeah, like in terms of power, you know. Presumably, it's running on electricity, and it must be using a hell of a lot to. to do what it's doing you know it's one thing as i say to melt rubbish plastic and make just you know little models of yoda and stuff but it's quite the other to melt steel and make it strong enough to support people or potentially cars at one point or as you say send it up to mars and build a huge um, base there so I suppose the the energy thing isn't a huge issue if we can get enough from renewables, especially on Mars. If you um, were using solar energy and you had some way to to harness that, it wouldn't be that much of an issue. But you know, if this is using electricity, then that gives you a lot of emissions and potentially burns a lot of fossil fuels or needs nuclear. So, I mean, that would be my cautionary thought about it. That it's not all, you know, good that you can't have amazingly good things without some repercussions sometimes
1: yeah i'm kind of reading right now to see what it's like if it's running off like solar power or something of that nature and i'm really not able to find anything they've got a whole other website though amping up time kind of showing this this uh being built i'm wondering how like the elements are going to affect it like the weather and random animals of that yeah. so i kind of have to see that if it upholds through all that though i don't and like a, like a whole real duration of rain. If it upholds through that, though, this is really the beginning of helping out societies that need infrastructure way more than America does. We just need to improve ours. But there's places that need like full-blown wells or any anything built or school. You could leave these things there and walk away from it. I, I know it just starts out with the bridge. That's why I love the Raspberry Pi. Is It's all proof of concept stuff. It starts out something small, and then from that is born like a whole other idea. So I feel like this is definitely... That in the making, it's it's really cool to watch. I like I had to tell my buddies at work about it. A lot of people heard about this too, as well.
0: Well, yeah, I think it's one to watch for the future. And you say quite soon, but I think it's going to be a couple of years before they actually do this bridge in Holland. I think, yeah, twenty seventeen. Oh, in- that's right. It's
1: only supposed to be two months, but in twenty seventeen, you're right.
0: Yeah, so they they clearly are not ready to do it just yet. So, but I mean, two years is not that long, you know, that's, uh, I feel really like just
1: 3d printed technology is just taking off. It's, I, I could not have anticipated where it's going and how fast it's going. i read a lot of stuff in like magazines about people, you know, have a lot to do with like the printers and whatnot, but it's, it's just amazing how fast this is moving. I, I'm just, I'm still dumbfounded every day. There's people making like, there's, pr- they're printing skin now. And I had a buddy at work that was like, that's, that's disgusting. But in, if you think about someone who's like a burn victim, that's the best thing they could ever have is that, that yeah. chance. And then I think I saw on the news not too long ago, a kid, something was, he had his arm mangled, something was wrong with his arm. And the parents went to the hospital and they were going to get him like a kind of a, can think get the right word? Prosthetic, that's the word, arm. And it was going to cost upwards into thousands of dollars. And a bunch of people at college printed one, printed him an arm out for like $200. And it works just as good as the other one does. So it's just this idea of, I think 3D, 3D printed stuff is amazing. I, I really feel like that's the future. I, I love it. I love it. This is where our future is going. I, I'm a fan of it. Until you make 3D printed guns. so
0: <laughs> Yeah. Well, they've already made them. I know. They,
1: idiots. Yeah. Idiots. Why would you do that?
0: Yeah. Well, one thing that really amazes me is stuff with moving parts and how the, the design must be so clever to make stuff, especially out of plastic that has actually got, cogs moving around it and stuff. And I think that is the key thing because it's one thing to print just a solid structure, but if you can print things with moving parts, then you can actually make usable real world things.
1: Yeah. Going back to the singularity, we talked about uh, somebody had made a 3d printer that made a 3d printer.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I heard you like 3d printers. Yeah. It's an aging one.
1: yeah, exactly. (laughs) I know you're talking about.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Cool, all right, well, time drags on. So uh, let's get on with some feedback. And I've got it in big red letters here Joe Rest Podcast at gmail.com. So that's the best way to get in touch. I'll f- try and forward everything that we get to Isaac. I forgot this. Forgot to, to do every
1: all of it. But
0: <laughs> yeah. Also, but, if you want a Joe Rest.com shirt, tell Joe because
1: I try to convince him to like create that. He wouldn't hear me. So.
0: Given the number of listeners that we have, there's no way that anyone is going to
1: want. Listen, buddy, you got to make, you got to spend money to make money. I think if you hand out a few shirts, no one's going to hate on you. And I think just Mm -hmm. getting your name out there, it's not going to hurt anyone.
0: Well, I can't see it somehow anyway. (laughs) Right. So the first kind of topic of feedback uh, was streaming and piracy. And Will said, I agree with Joe that you're unlikely to be prosecuted for viewing a stream of copyrighted material, but I also agree with Isaac that it's still illegal to do so. I couldn't tell if Joe agreed with that or not. Well, no, I know technically it's illegal to view pirate streams, but I think the key thing is whether you're likely to be prosecuted or not. So, you know, I'm not worried about that. Whereas with torrents and stuff, that is a bit worrying because you're uploading at the same time and, you know, you're more likely to get busted. But Will continues, I plug my laptop into my TV to watch videos, but I'm interested in the idea of a home theater PC. Do you guys have any thoughts on what the cheapest computer you could get is that would not be painful to use to stream video via HTML5, Flash, and PipeLights? My impression is that the new Pi might be a little underpowered for this, but maybe something similar like an Odroid with a little bit better CPU might work. It sounds like Isaac has switched to Genesis, but I'd be curious to hear if he tries out any mainstream streaming services like Netflix or PBS with Cody. So the first one, then, what kind of computer do you need to do a home theater PC? I think your thing
1: you bought's a good suggestion,
0: isn't it? Mm, I want my one, the, the bricks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you can get something like that with an i3 in it, then, yeah, I mean, granted, it's a mobile i3 and it's not the latest, fastest one, but it's going to do... The job that was more than capable. I mean, it's hundreds of times, well, tens of times faster than a Raspberry Pi. I would say the Pi and the android mm, I think they're a little bit underpowered. The Pi will do streaming okay, but it's just the interface around it is a little bit jerky. And
1: I got the Pi to stream pretty good on Twitch, but I noticed a lag that I don't notice now on my other computer. My desktop yeah. has got Cody on it, so
0: yeah, it's I think that you want something with a proper um, processor, really. So yeah, I mean, if you could get something bare bones like this bricks, I mean, it's so small or just build yourself something. I, if- I was about
1: to say that exact same thing. I completely agree with you. Just build it. You can be way cheaper and be much better than anything you can buy at the store.
0: Yeah. Uh, the the question is, uh, how much do you want to spend on it? And ma- mainly how big does it want to be? Because if you, don't mind size if you can put it like behind a tv or something and so it wouldn't matter if it was um one of those kind of micro atx cases then it's not a huge issue you can build something pretty cheap but if you want something tiny like a raspberry pi or like this bricks thing like a NUC intel NUC thing then you are pretty much gonna have to go uh, off the shelf i think rather than build your own but there's something really satisfying about building your own machine i mean my desktop computer i built i don't know four or five years ago now and um that's still going strong, hopefully. Uh so yeah, it's really cool to have built your own thing. So that's what I would say depends on the size of it, really. But yeah, I wouldn't mess around with the the single computers, really, Pies, ODroid, it's they're just not powerful enough for day-to-day use. They they're good for messing around and uh, and experimenting with, but if it's, you know, gonna be your daily driver, if it's what you watch TV with, then no, I think they just haven't got the, the grunt, I'm afraid.
1: If it's size is the issue, then you're going to get some off the shelf. Else, you can drop as much money as you want and get a graphics card. It's out of this world. So,
0: as far as uh, Genesis, are you using? Have you ever used Cody Joe? I've never used used it. I've played with it and seen how it works, but just a normal desktop and VLC is fine for me. I don't need that interface. So uh, I've never yeah, actually used it hardcore.
1: It's I, I like it quite a bit. Um, I try if you do like Netflix or Amazon Prime through it, which they have apps. You're going to have to log in with your account, so that's why I dump Netflix for Genesis. Because why am I going to spend eight bucks a month or whatever it is to watch something that's already on Genesis for free? What is Genesis then? It's just another uh, app for Cody that has uh, unlimited amounts of movies. And TV shows. It's basically like Netflix, but with everything you want on it. Another good comparison would be how I used to view how I view Google Music compared to Pandora. Google Music is everything I always wanted Pandora to be. Genesis is everything I've always
0: wanted Netflix to be. And how much is it then? Uh, it's free. So it's illegal then. minutes. What? It is weird. Anyone? Anyway, no. It's a,
1: <laughs> yeah. It's completely. Uh. It, this goes back to the the whole first thing Will brought back up, which is the you know tie into streams that are already sitting out there. So, but it's it's a, it's insane the amount of shows they have. They have every show that I was a kid I used to watch. It's 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 crazy. That's why I love it so much. And it's that's what I'm saying. These are things I look for on Netflix, and they're like, oh, we don't have that, or we do have it, but only the second season, or some something like that. What's the quality like though? Oh, it's great.
0: What, well, as good as Netflix?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. It's got um because actually at that point you're tying in mainly with uh, your hardware. Now now the movies are different. Some streams are the movies are definitely way different, give or take, like the stream you're tying into. But all the streams I've tied into are about one of the same. Now you might, now when it comes to anime shows, which I'm a fan of, you might run the problem of subtitles. While some streams are automatically coming through in English, other ones aren't. That's what the only real problem I've ran into with it, which isn't really yeah, that's, a problem. That's
0: the good thing about Netflix; is it just works so well, doesn't it? I mean, you just never have if, as long as the content's there, then it's just a seamless experience.
1: Yes, that's yeah. You're totally right there. But so far, everything I've like was looking on Netflix is on Genesis and then some. So like, okay, good example, Doctor Who. Um, they Netflix has all the old Do- okay Netflix has Do- the old Doctor Who's, but they only have like four episodes of season one or two episodes of season seven, something like that. We're talking about the old ones. Genesis has all the episodes of all the old seasons. So it's, and it's free. So why would I not time with that?
0: By old ones? Do you mean from like 10, 15 years ago? Or do you mean the ones from the, no, I'm talking
1: about the first 26 seasons, all the sixties to the, whatever. I'm not talking about like the, the most previous guys. Yeah. But, um, Okay, so that's Netflix. The Amazon Prime app, I've had a lot of problems with it when I did try it, because I still—I mean, I'm going to keep Amazon Prime for sure for just shipping. But the app, I ran into problems because when I tied into it through Cody, I was suddenly like stuck on Amazon's website. I could not get away from it. It was like they dumped me off into a not a web page, but like the app, but without the web page. I couldn't go back. I couldn't X out. I was just suddenly stuck on Amazon Prime, and I I didn't, that that was about the only problem I've had so far with dealing with that guy, but I really don't use it that much, and I'm just a big fan of Cody. Now, now not all apps work because Cody uh, has new versions come out, so the apps have to, like, catch up and update, and this is all, like, I'm never sure who's creating some of these apps and who's not, so that's kind of one of the other problems, but so far with Cody and Genesis, I, I don't know, me and a couple, you know, when I brought up at work, a few other people are, like, doing it as well, or, admitted to it. And I showed a couple of my friends this and they are like fans of it enough to where they've dumped Netflix. It's a good. Okay. Um, um, Cord cutter cost saver kind of concept.
0: Yeah. Okay. looks like I'll have to check it out. So uh, we'll get back to will in a bit, but uh, moving on to some email and encryption stuff, uh, we got quite a long comment from Rob.
1: He says, uh, Hey guys, great show. I just did a Google search on the word encryption, and guess what? Joe's Google Plus announcement of this episode came up on the first page. I say the writing's on the wall for you two, only a matter of time now.
0: Well, if only that was true, Rob. Unfortunately, Google skews the search results you get to be personalized to you, especially if you're logged in. So they know that you're more likely to be interested in stuff that your friends are doing. And of course, we're talking about Rob from Mintcast here, guys. So that's almost definitely why that came up on the first page. Whereas if you were, you know, on someone else's computer, it wouldn't have done that. And um, you were talking about a book that was talking about that, weren't you, Isaac?
1: Uh, yes. I've been, recently, I've been listening to a book about uh, the filter bubble, how search engines kind of Uh, skew things to like you're saying to you accordingly and how they're doing that and whether or not that's like good practice, illegal, legal, all that stuff. But it wasn't until you brought that up earlier that that's completely right. If Rob is Google already knows, Rob is kind of like wanting to, is going to talk to you at some point or look for stuff related to you at some point. So they automatically push stuff like that in favor of that. So that's exactly, I would have to say you're completely hundred percent correct on why that appeared for Rob's and not somebody else's. And going on that, I'll let you talk more on that if you want to, because I'm going to Google the word encryption and see what I get.
0: (laughs) Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, you just end up with this feedback loop where you only ever see the things that you're interested in in the first place. And you don't potentially learn anything new, or at least you don't learn from any new sources.
1: I think Rob is pulling, pulling our leg or he just Googles you so much that it's going to bring you up (laughs) no matter what.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. I know that that definitely is the case that um, Google will skew results and, and give you things from your friends. I mean, it's like with YouTube as well. The comments that you see, are if any of your friends have commented on uh, a YouTube video, that's the first comment that you'll see. So, you know, Google has the algorithms, don't they, to do stuff like that? Darn Google.
1: They rule my everything. <laughs> Moving on. Rob continues uh, on the topic of ubiquitous encrypted email. I made a run at the at using signed and encrypted email on my Mintcast email address to see how much trouble it was going to be. As Joe pointed out, one of the issues is device related. It was pretty straightforward to get my Thunderbird client to use OpenPGP by using the Igma Igmail plugin. And on, Igmail. In,
0: in, in <laughs> Enigmail plugin. In-,
1: in-, in-, in I cannot say it. In- <laughs> in- it. In- <laughs> mail.
0: Can- Never mind. Carry on. I was
1: going to try it again. Never mind. Moving on. On Android, I use K9 Mail with APG as the open PGP provider. What I lost was the ability to use a webmail browser-based client. For me, that was a relatively small loss, but may-, may not be so for others. The other issue I encountered was in figuring out the whole web of trust thing. How do you know the PGP key you have for a person is really them? Most of the people I correspond with online are people I've never met offline. I know there are key signing parties and such, but they all take a long time to get orchestrated. When I get a signed email from, say, Isaac, how do I know it's really him and not some 12-year-old from New Jersey? Oh, wait, maybe Isaac is a 12-year-old from New Jersey, but you get my drift. Um, I feel like Rob was on my shoulder reading my thoughts this past couple of weeks because after me and you talked about this Joe I looked up on meetups I'm a big fan of meetups I looked up on meetups about starting an encryption group and there was one and lo and behold they were doing a key signing party like Rob's talking about but then it hit me I don't know these people why would I go meet them and and give them access to my private key or my public key and then it's Maybe there's someone from the NSA, now we're getting tinfoil hat, but maybe there could be NSAs already there with someone in the middle of that.
0: Yeah, but it's your public key. Obviously, you're not going to be your private key. That's private. You keep it to yourself. The idea being that your public key is out there for anyone to, to see. And so it, it is a matter of public knowledge anyway. And to be fair, there are things like Keybase where you can upload your key and then you can, say, tweet it out, say, you know, verify myself, this really is me on Keybase, here's a link. And you know that's good enough for me. If someone's Twitter or Google Plus or Facebook, even or on their website, you, you have to assume that they're in control of those. Especially if it's on everything, you know, on their website, on their various social media platforms. So I think that's quite a good solution to the problem. But I mean, I wouldn't be worried about giving it to strangers because I mean that's the whole point of it. It is that you give your public key to everyone and then anyone who wants to use it to email you can do as long as you make sure that the private key is kept um, private then you've got no problem
1: now that's that's see now that's that's the hope is that your private key is private i was i've been reading a bitcoin book here recently and i did not realize that the whole going encryption algorithm bitcoin's riding on is created created by the NSA so you never know if they all they need is your public key to figure out your private key god knows what's going on and I feel like we're going to revisit this topic time and time again, because I definitely have to read up on Bitcoin. I want to have a, a big Bitcoin podcast talk with you on that.
0: Uh, pyramid scheme. <laughs> Ponzi scheme. That's it. That's the discussion over. <laughs> that discussion's over. <laughs> I used to be more enthusiastic about it, but the more I think about it, the more I look into it, it to me, it just does reek of a Ponzi scheme, really. So, you know, I I just don't, I've lost all faith in the idea. I think that, that some of the technologies and principles that have come from the whole crypto coin, cryptocurrency world can be used elsewhere. But I think that the idea of it as a currency, it's just fundamentally flawed, I'm afraid.
1: We will definitely revisit this because not only have I been reading up on Bitcoin, I've been reading up on blockchain, which is the idea that Bitcoin's built upon. So we'll... I definitely want to talk about that at some point with you to get your, besides your Ponzi scheme mindset. (laughs) Okay, on that. Uh,
0: Well, going back to Will then, he said, I feel similarly to Isaac about encryption in that I'd like to learn more about it before I'm no longer able to. I don't know that much about the various implementations. I've heard good things about Bruce Schneier's book on the subject. Maybe an online course in cryptography would be a good idea as well. I'd also be curious to hear if Isaac comes to any conclusions about encryption. I think Joe's right that the convenience factor is almost insurmountable, given that not only do you have to deal with it yourself, but you have to get everyone you communicate with to join as well. Here is one good resource on various approaches to email encryption, and he um, sends a link to a GitHub page, which has got um, all sorts of uh, information on there, which is a good link. I'll put that in the show notes. He says, Joe's problem of accessing email from multiple locations could probably be addressed by basically setting up a a VPS and running my own mail server and and doing it that way. He's talked about mail pipe and stuff. Um, This is all comments on the website. So if you want uh, some more details, you can go and um, read what he said there. But he continues, it might be more realistic to try and not use email. Programs like Snapchat, WhatsApp, etc. are pretty popular for communication and starting over from scratch rather than supporting the existing email framework and allows for encryption to be built in from the beginning. I wouldn't use those two I just mentioned, but there are other options that seem to be fairly well regarded by information security experts like Telegram and Signal um and yeah with telegram i hear a lot about martin Wimpress is uh always going on about it he tried to get me on there rather than um, hangouts where we normally talk to each other but i think that you've just got that problem of every time you have a new standard it doesn't become a standard and there's that xkcd comic about it you just end up with loads of disparate communication methods and no one is on any of them you know and then you might funnel everyone onto one horrible one like with social networking, everyone was funneled onto Facebook and it seems that everyone's being funneled onto WhatsApp, which is just terrible and claims to be encrypted, but it's just total rubbish. And I would never use it because it just offers nothing over email that I can see. But people say, oh, it's free. You can send free messages and free photos. I'm like, well, yeah, I have unlimited data. I can do that with... Uh Um, you know just email already so don't need it and it's oh it's encrypted well it's not very well encrypted from what I've read so not interested but telegram seems more interesting to me but again I don't really know many people are using it so whereas email is ubiquitous there is nobody in the world who has a computer that doesn't have an email address so I can communicate with anyone anyone can read it fair enough so I'm not going to send anything private but you know, if it's all just stuff that you put on a postcard, it, it's not a problem to me. And I'm so tinfoil hat that anything that's really worth encrypting, I'm probably not going to send over email or, or anything, any method. I'd have to meet up in person and talk to them, make sure there's no one listening in a, you know the middle of a field somewhere maybe and cover our mouths. But there's nothing I want to <laughs> say that's that private anyway, really.
1: Yeah, this is the first time I've heard about Telegram and
0: Signal. Okay, yeah, well, check them out. I mean, I'm not I going to... I just did. I kind of looked at it. I
1: mean, Telegram looks like it's... Yeah, I, don't, I agree with you. It looks like it's cool. It's not going to work, just because it won't.
0: Yeah, well, that is comes pre-installed, I think, on the Ubuntu phones. So once they sell a billion of those, uh, everyone will be using it. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I've ran
1: into this at, like, workplaces where it's like, we're going to use Skype, and then, oh, yeah, there's Hangouts.
0: Oh, there's Slack. There's there, yo, but no one's gonna use yo. But yeah, I used that briefly, and it's just e- I just did not understand that at all. It's just you yo someone, and that.
1: <laughs> but there's there, there's already so many out there. It's it's hard to get everyone you need on the one you want, and then you gotta talk about encryption. So so he's talking about what do we'll say my feelings about encryption. Actually, I've been thinking about this a lot more lately because of the whole Bitcoin and blockchain concept. And I realized, I, I guess you could, like, make some really killer encryption if you just keep funneling your, I guess, uh, your however you get your keys generated. If you generate your keys and funnel that back through encryption and back again and back again to the point where it's like, well, if you don't, you got to have, like, 14, pri- you know, public keys to decipher something. I guess at that point, it's pretty bulletproof. But I, I don't know. I, I haven't found an online course in cryptography yet. Most of my online courses I look for are through Coursera. They're usually pretty good about stuff like that. I don't know. With encryption, I totally agree with you, Joe. It's just the uh, convenience factor is a big problem. Going on with what Rob said and what you said, devices now are a big problem going with that. Like you said also, is there anything even that important? That, then becomes that. Is there anything, I have this like scales going on my hand right now and no one can see. I got the weight of, uh, how. what am I saying currently? Is it that important versus do I want to hold true to myself and not have everybody watch and know everything? I I would like to keep some of the stuff I say private instead of everyone always has a chance at all my stuff. A good example is on Hangouts. I told my buddy, oh, I told my, I I sent my buddy a message. Hey, uh, I attached uh, uh we'll just say it was the sentence. I attached this piece of paper to my car yesterday and it fell off because I put the word attached. It did not put a file in hangouts or no, It was in my email. In my email, Google sent me, uh, sent me like a whole pop-up. Hey, you said attached, but we noticed you didn't attach a file. Is everything okay? And I was like, I appreciate the offer, but wait a minute. What? It, that, that was very scary. Would have, I've never experienced that before.
0: I've had that. And it was actually quite useful, but. At the same time, I, I don't think that that is them reading every um, email. Uh, you know, that's just oh, automated, yeah. isn't
1: it? Do you you think it is? That's that's the goal, and that's what I guess you could say to yourself to be like, I need to go to bed. I, I can, I need to get some sleep. It was all automated. It was okay, but yeah. that's how everything starts out. It's it's a helpful tool, but I don't I don't know. It's I'm not in the mood to like push these kind of limits to be like ISIS and stuff to see what Google does. So I don't know. Mm.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, this all started last show because we were talking about the, the possibility of criminalizing the teaching of encryption in Australia. And Lee said, an entertaining thought, but I think the horse has already bolted on that one. They might as well ban the use of prime numbers, which I think is a very good point. You know, the you can't possibly ban the teaching of you, encryption. Assistance. I don't think you can
1: ban the teaching, but you could definitely regulate it and censor it a whole lot. And as we become more online with our teaching tools, I think this is a little bit more feasible than us becoming hybrids by 2030. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, I suppose. And and like you were talking about, I think, last time, with these um, filtered search results, kind of skewed search results, maybe they'll skew to be the, the kind of thing that Google or whoever's controlling Google wants you to see and exactly. stuff that they, they don't want to see, you don't get to see. It's a great point. So we also talked about Twitch last time and how I just don't understand it. And um, <laughs> a few people got in touch and have swayed me a little bit, I'm afraid, on that. And I'm starting to understand it a bit more. Uh, the first of which was Porochik Gitshe. That is clearly not how you pronounce that, but that was my best attempt. And he, she, they said, what's the point in watching online video games, Joe? Isn't it so much better to play a game oneself rather than watching others play and have all the fun? Well, yes and no. We already watch others play games and have done so for, well, thousands of years, at least since the ancient Greeks. We watch others play football and tennis and, God forbid, ice hockey. (laughs) Is there really a fundamental difference between watching a video game online and watching Je Sans frontiers on the telly? The answer to that is no, and that is a brilliant point that I hadn't thought of. I generally don't watch much sport on the TV. I kind of go for the world cup and stuff. And if it's on in a pub, I'll watch it. Yeah. You know, game of cricket or whatever. I quite like darts. I don't suppose you have that over there. I think it's kind of big in Canada and darts. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, like the bullseye darts. Yeah. 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 man. I, I, I kick,
1: I mean, I kick your butt at darts, dude. <laughs> what <are you> talking <laughs> about? We rich. don't have that.
0: <laughs> yeah. no, you don't have it on TV though. Do you?
1: No, no. The only time I see it is when it's like a, uh, it definitely is like it looks like some people from Ireland who have tattoos in their face and I'm not I'm yeah. not being mean, there really is a guy that good who's covered in tattoos and can flat throw some darts. That's the only time I see it, so you're
0: correct. Yeah. Um anyway, Portrait continues. Watching game is watching a game. We watch others because we admire great skill and strength and the strategy that may be shown. You may object, however, that a video game is merely an intellectual game with a wee bit of hand and finger dexterity thrown in for good measure and that football and tennis and so on are physical games true but then chess tournaments are wholly intellectual and even draw an audience uh which yeah again is a good point i think that you know games like snooker pool and um darts are not like hugely physical sports darts more so i suppose but um with snooker definitely which i quite enjoy watching a game of that's it does have a physical aspect to it, much like con- computer gaming does with the controller or whatever, but it's mostly kind of working out the angles. and. Uh, poker's a, a great game. example. Yeah, poker's a a yeah, perfect example of that, and I, I know that's very popular as well. I mean, I wouldn't really watch it, but I know people who do. Um, it says, Hey Joe, what's the point of listening to that guitar riff when you can play a better riff yourself? What's the point of listening to Maria Callas when you can sing in the shower? I don't get it. I just don't get it. Hmm. What's the point of listening to a podcast when, well, maybe one day. Anyway, gentlemen, I enjoy your podcast. Many thanks for listening, pleasure, and greetings from the French Alps. Ah, well, thanks very much. I do speak a little bit of French, but uh, not today. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I feel like all the comments we got uh, or the feedback are excellent points. And this one, when I read it, I was like, this is such a good point. It never even hit me that I watch sports all the time and I could easily just go, let's go play the football. Let's go play football instead of watching it or soccer or basketball or whatever. So everything he said was excellent. I think the reason uh, you listen to guitar riffs is because you can't play a better one. That would probably be my answer to that.
0: <laughs> Funnily enough, most of the guitar riffs that I really like are uh, tend to be quite simple ones. Uh, that I could easily play. But it's kind of more the creativity of how they came up with it and how it works within the song. But, um, yeah, I think uh, generally quite a a lot of good points there coming from the French Alps.
1: There's a, kind of going on this, there's a, a venue down the way from me where I see a lot of heavy metal shows. I noticed they had tickets for sale for a humongous Starcraft II throwdown. And I was like, I really want to buy one and go watch it, be in person for this. <laughs> but it's going to be weird because that's going to be a whole lot of people sitting in chairs and drinking beer, watching these two guys go in on like a massive overhead.
0: That's weird that um you've made me remember something from way back in the day when I was, I don't know, maybe eight or nine. We used to go to this nightclub that was like under 18s night. So there'd be no booze, obviously. It'll just be lemonade and Coke and stuff. And one night we went there. And they had this Mortal Kombat competition. And it was kind of just like what you're saying, you know, projected on big screens or whatever, and people playing, and I just got uh, pawned in the first round or whatever. But uh, I think my brother did quite well in it. And yeah, it's so... This is not actually a new thing. I mean, that was, you know, a long, long time ago. Mortal Kombat on the Genesis, as you call it, the Mega Drive, we call it. So, you know, a long, long time ago. Ah, the good old days. Yeah. But Will says... Uh, Yeah, and Will, who left us a lot of comments, so I kind of chopped it up and put it into various contexts. But he said, I used to watch online games four or five years ago. I'd watch turn-based strategy games where the streamer would discuss his strategy as he went along. I would watch games that I played myself so the videos were instructive. The extra benefits of watching rather than playing were that the game cost money to play and I didn't have to pay to watch. I learned a lot from watching an expert that I wouldn't have thought of on my own and could watch for half an hour while eating and then come back later, whereas I could not do that if I were playing live against another person. I stopped because I had other demands on my time, and stopped playing video games myself, so watching them becomes less interesting. And yeah, that's a good point as well, I suppose. You learning from people and just a bit of casual watching while you're eating or something it's not much different to watching a game of football or cricket or something so no
1: that's yeah. and I mean, that's kind of what well, my point was for while watching it. it's like i'm sitting there working why not watch it's not like i'm like sitting there staring in depth and uh
0: yeah well i'm not going to change my mind and start watching people play games obviously but <laughs> i now thanks to this feedback that we've had i feel um a lot less um judgmental of people who do I suppose. So, you know, I understand it a lot more.
1: I didn't know you had such a harsh opinion towards people that watch Twitch.
0: And I just thought it was weird and like, what's wrong with you? But you know, it, I, you could argue people who watch sport, what's wrong with you? And I, um, Gareth from, uh, the mindset podcast, and I used to do the mind tech podcast with him. Um, he has uh, talked many times about how he can't understand why people watch sport and you've got to be a bit stupid to do that and stuff. But, um, as someone who is a very very casual sport watcher I can um, I can sympathize anyway
1: thinking about the i.t crowd where they go they get into the soccer hooligan <laughs> stuff that's one of the funniest episodes I've ever seen.
0: <laughs> he's <just laughs> what, like he's got this kind of that app that tells him what to say about he's it: he's got like, that app' that but was a he's, disgraceful performance he's, and that. He's at the he's at the game and he goes to
1: leave. And he just like, oh, you know, he just says, "It's already, it's already over." Like it just started, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, he, he's right," you know. It's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and his neck's got all thrown out. Yeah, it's <laughs>
0: mm. right. Well, ending on uh, Lee's comment, then he said, "With regards to Twitch, I was a bit on the fence as I don't game at all. However, if I did, I can see it as a good way to get some on-the-job training from an expert. Not to mention the joy of seeing a master at work, presumably." It then occurred to me that it's a bit like watching in-car footage of people driving track days or journalists driving cars on circuits. That's something I'm interested in and regularly watch on YouTube a lot. I think it means I've slipped off the fence. So there you go, he's uh, been convinced as well. And uh, if finished with something totally off-topic. A quick thumbs up for the podcast website. Clean, simple, easy to navigate, thanks to some jumbo font action. Best of all, it's not weighed down by the latest hot-off-the-press JavaScript. I like it. Well, I can't take any credit for that, I'm afraid. (laughs) and neither can you, Isaac, because all it is is WordPress with a theme that I found, I think. I think actually Gareth might have found that for me back in the day, and I've just been using it ever since, and we use it on the Luddites website as well. And, um, yeah, it's just a plain white theme with no fanciness, and, you know, it just seems to do the job. Uh,
1: That'll be the minute we know... uh... You've sold out. Is when that website changes and all that fancy JavaScript appears. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> commercials are in our face. It's uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, big pop-ups and stuff and surveys. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you've been here two seconds. What do you think of this website? It's in the <laughs> survey.
1: You know, I think the Twitch uh, stuff. I guess everybody's realizing is if you go to defend, like, why would you watch that? It kind of makes you question, like, well, why do I watch or listen to what I currently do? You know, so
0: yeah, yeah. Well, uh, that's it for the feedback. As I said, joe rest podcast at gmail.com or leave a comment on the website. If you leave a comment on the website, then Isaac's more likely to see it because I will um, approve it and then he can just check that whenever. Whereas the emails I have to actually remember to forward to him. So uh, either way, it's all good. Um, so I suppose that's it for this one then for number 13. Unlucky for some. It uh, seems to have gone all right. I haven't got around to editing it yet. So let's not uh, suck out our chickens. <laughs> um but yeah hopefully it won't be a month before the next one but i've got a lot of podcasts coming up i'm going to be on the ubuntu podcast uh i done an unexpected mint cast i've got to do a linux loddites without paddy bit of a spoiler there because he's so busy with work stuff so um jesse's going to come over and we're going to do it in person hopefully so that's going to be a new experience so who knows when the next one of these will be I'm afraid, Isaac, it's uh, quite far down my priority list, given how hey, many people listening. That is listen
1: totally to fine. Yeah, I've got. Uh, if anybody's listening in the DC area on the 28th Raspberry Pi meetup, I've got that going on, and I got to get that project accomplished, and I got to hand out computers to the poor people. So,
0: that's yeah. how it goes. And uh, yeah, I've been talking to Isaac offline about various ideas for new shows that we might possibly do. There's always something in the pipeline, so uh, stay tuned, and uh, you never know. But until next time, then. See you later. See ya.